Hi everyone, welcome back to Business on the Beach and we have another special guest for us. We have Richard Jacobs joining me. Richard, thanks for coming on. Oh, no problem. How you doing, man? Not so bad, yeah, doing good. So Richard is an entrepreneur, podcast host and inventor of America's first custom-tailored pillow. So he does a lot of research into sleep and he adds all the little tweaks to his invention. So I can't wait for this because sleep's very, very important. It's becoming more and more important. But uh, Richard, share a little bit about why you decided to do this. Like, why, why do the pillow? Well, it's pretty easy because I've had sleep problems for years and years and years. Um, you know, over the years, like a lot of people, unfortunately, I got heavier and heavier. So you start snoring. Um, you know, your wife tells you, hey, you're snoring and I have to go sleep in the other room, which is super embarrassing. Um, you know, you want to go on trips with your kids and your wife and you think, oh, no, do I have to book ho two hotel rooms? I don't want to keep everyone awake. Um, I, you know, a lot of things you don't think of. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you don't sleep through the night. You wake up one, two, three, five, ten times sometimes, uh, you know, and you start to not feel so good two days a week, three days a week then sometimes every day of the week. So it really adds up. And uh, yeah, I don't think people appreciate, they just say, Oh, I'll be all right. They just, they just get used to it and they keep going. But uh, bad sleep really impacts you. And as you get older, you know, once you get to your thirties and then forties, I mean, if you don't take care of it, uh, that and other issues can really lead, uh, put you in a downward spiral of uh, health problems. So that was the driving force, you know, over the past uh, X number of years, I just got tired of these sleep problems and, my mind is always going thinking of things. And uh, I do a podcast myself and I, I run into all kinds of entrepreneurs. And uh, one day I was laying there and uh, talking to my wife and, uh, you know, in bed and um, I had tried a pillow and I, I was annoyed that the pillow was getting flat in the night. And she said, Oh, I'll, I'll take your pillow. I said, no, <laughs> this is the best one I have right now. You know? And I said, you've tried like 10 different pillows. Won't you get another one? Yeah. And, um, I say, you know what they need? They need a pillow that's custom to the person. You know, I have wide shoulders and I go to the store, I go online and it says extra large or queen or king. And it doesn't matter. Some of these pillows are just not thick enough or too thick. And she said, well, why don't you go do something about it? You know, make a, a custom pillow like you're saying. So I said, all right, I will. And that's how it started. Right. So it all stemmed from your own sort of issues then. So this is something that... I guess not a lot of people tend to think about like a pillow for your average person is just a pillow. But as you start to get the, the sleep issues and I mean, do, do sleep problems impact? Cause you mentioned that as you get older, how, how far down the line does it tend to build up? And I ask because, you know, some people do brush it off for years, five years, 10 years, if not more, do they build up over that long, like gradually? And do we do we think about it? Do we not think about it? Like, what's the what's the impact of say a not so great sleep versus like a horrible sleep? And then how how far does it actually go in terms of like, well, I've been feeling bad for decades, or is it just a case of, well, I've just been feeling bad for a few years? Like, how far does it go? I mean, it can kill you. Um, a lot of people progress again, as they get older, you know, a lot of people tend to get heavier. That's just a natural part of life. Some get very heavy, you know, that's, that's also pretty common. Um, as you get heavier and as you get older, what happens is that the tissue in your throat 
and your neck and all that and your you know your mouth it it loses tone so you'll start to sleep and you'll snore you know like that um as it goes on and on um you eventually may stop breathing during the night which is called apnea uh you you'll stop breathing because your your throat will close you know your tongue may fall back into your throat or you know whatever may happen and for some people, it starts to happen five, 10, 20 times an hour. It's horrible. I, I remember my dad going <laughs> like that, you know, gasping and breathing. And I didn't know what it was when I was younger, but it was apnea, I realized. And apnea ends up killing people. I mean, it ends up uh, starving your brain of oxygen. Um, it, it predisposes you to diabetes and weight gain and cancer and all kinds of stuff. And I'm not making this up. There are studies that show it does all this medical studies that, you know, I can point you to. Um, so a lot of people progress from sleeping normally to snoring, to apnea, to shortened lifespan and health problems. And they may not even realize it. Like a lot of times you don't know if you have apnea, you don't know if you snore, a partner has to tell you if you're lucky to have a partner in the bed with you. So that happens to far more people than, than, than people are aware of. Um, I can tell you again, as you get older, you know, like when you're 18, 20, you'll do like an all nighter, you'll study and you'll be okay. You know, as you, as you get to be 30 and, and 40, like if you don't sleep well, you just, you feel like crap. You're, uh, you can't think, uh, you can't function. You may, uh, fall asleep driving the next day and, and run yourself off the road and die. It can happen very easily. Yeah. I don't know if anyone listening has experienced a micro sleep where you go huh, and you realize you fell asleep for a second. I mean, it, it, you know, it, it's funny in certain circumstances, but in other ones, like I said, let's say you drive a bus, a school bus for people, you fly a plane or you're a surgeon, or again, you're just a regular person driving. You can die because of it, right. <laughs> literally, you know? Yeah. So it, people think, ah, oh, you know, sleeps for the week or I'll sleep when I'm dead. Or, I mean, frankly, if you don't sleep well, you will be dead sooner than you want to be dead is what will happen. And you will be sicker then you want to be, and you will have an impaired life. That's literally the consequences of it. So I'm not doing this to fear monger, but everyone knows this. I mean, I don't have to tell listeners if you, if you don't sleep well, you sleep really badly. You feel like crap. Your whole day sucks. You just want to go to bed early and you're like, ugh. so that that's the, just some of the consequences of poor sleep. Yeah. It does sound pretty intense when I mean, you mentioned things like uh your throat loosening and then your tongue potentially going down your throat and all that sort of stuff and i mean the real the driving things off you know off roads and crashing planes and stuff yeah that, that's that's possible but then equally that's something that you could probably be aware of like it but if if you do things like during the night that you've not got a partner and all of a sudden like you can't breathe when you're asleep but no one really knows like what's going on that that seems quite frightening when you think about it, it can seem yeah. it's not, it's not, some, not something I want to experience because uh, although as of recording this, I'm not quite 30 yet. It's um, I mean, me being diabetic, I know how important sleep is for me. So it's something that, I mean, do people not make it a priority unless all of a sudden it needs to be a priority or have you ever experienced someone that's as proactive as it is, you know, you hope people are. How do people tend to respond to things like this? Yeah, there's two ways. So if someone sleeps pretty well, you know, and I tell them about the, the pillow and about sleep, they're like, oh, that's cool. If someone doesn't sleep well, they go, oh, yeah, 
I <laughs> snore or, you know, I mean, you know how many people I've talked to that after a few minutes, they'll be like, you know what? My girlfriend or my wife has to sleep in the other room. You know, we start out sleeping and then she has to get up. She says she can't sleep. She goes in the other room. Like think about what that does to a relationship. And no one wants to say that. Like I told you about having to get two hotel rooms with my wife and my kids. Like it's pretty embarrassing. You know, you think about that. It's like being too heavy to sit in a plane seat, for instance, you know, or being too heavy to wear, I don't know, any fashionable clothing. Like they're, snoring for some cultures is a badge of honor. Oh, oh, they're sleeping really well. They're snoring, which is not true. But snoring for a lot of people is an embarrassment. Like if you say to someone, oh, you snore, you, you feel embarrassed. So people don't want to talk about it. So again, the reaction I get is if someone feels fine, they think, yeah, very cool. If someone doesn't feel fine, they'll tell me, oh yeah, I've get neck pain. Every day I wake up, my shoulders are stiff. I get neck pain or, you know, I have insomnia. I can't fall asleep. Or, yeah, I only sleep like four hours a night and I'm always tired. Or I mean, they'll tell me all these things. So I'll hear one of those two categories of response. There are people that say that they can function on four hours. And I hear, I hear that it's a genetic thing. There are people out there, not very many, because a very, very small percentage of the population whereby they've got this genetic, they call it a defect or you know maybe it's maybe it is a miracle that they can only sleep four hours and be, be functionally fine because um, I listened to it was another podcast I think it was with Kevin Hart I think I think it was uh, on the Joe Rogan show and he oh, said cool. he, he he functions on, on four hours apparently he's an absolute machine on four hours um, mm. which for someone that needs at least eight like I, I tend to I try to push and try and get nine if I can. 10 is kind of a little bit too far. So I tend to stretch between, between eight to nine and nine hours tends to be my sort of, I feel fresh and I wake up. I probably don't need an alarm at that point. Um, but any less than nine is like, a, I need an alarm if I need to get up. So yeah. what, what's, the, what's the theory behind that? Is that an actual thing or, or not? There are some people that are short sleepers, but it's a very small percentage of people. And I guarantee you there's 10 times or 50 times the amount of people that say they can function well and actually function well. They may be taking all kinds of uh, stimulants. You know, they may be drinking coffee 10 times a day, you know, doing Coke. I mean, whatever, who knows, or just not functioning well. So yeah. most people that tell you that it's just not true. If you really look at them and, look at what they're doing, they would, they would feel far better by sleeping properly. And what I've learned is there's a lot of pressure, there's societal pressure. Like I get up very late, you know, I go to bed at two, three in the morning, I get up 10, 11 usually. And people go, Oh my God, must be nice. You know, they're <laughs> jealous or they say, Oh, well, that's really late. They're horrified by it. You know um, why? What's, what's wrong with it? But for many years and even now still like, you're told, oh, the early bird gets the worm. Oh, if you want to really be successful in life, you got to get up early and start running. So there's this whole societal pressure, not only to not sleep a lot, but if you're a night owl or if you have different hours, you're a bad person. I mean, I've been to conferences where people talk about sleep and, and they'll talk about, uh, oh, cortisol will peak at, at this time and trough at 4 a.m. And, and I remember asking one speaker, what happens if you go to bed at like 3 and get up at 11? which I've been doing for like probably 20, 30 years. And she goes, Oh my God, I don't know. 
I said, well, what happens to your hormones? Do they still peak and trough at the same time? I don't know. And this is in front of like 500 people in the audience, you know? Yeah. I mean, come on. So you have these pressures. Society runs early. You know, if you have high school, it's super early. And there's been a lot of studies of kids that just chronologically, they need to sleep later. They're being forced to get up early and they suffer all kinds of problems in school. They can't think. Their grades are suppressed because of it. You know, work. A lot of jobs start seven, eight, nine in the morning. So society doesn't help people either. And it perpetuates this myth and this pressure that you're a bad person. If you sleep a lot, you're a bad person. If you get up later than other people. So it just makes a, a mess of things for most people. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I can't tell you how many people <clears throat> I've spoken to and they've gone, oh, well, how does it work then if I, if I am an early bird and you mentioned hormones and things before and well, the truth is is your, your body adapts right like that's I mean you mentioned traveling before we started and it's like well people that do have different rhythms have different rhythms and you can essentially like train it to a certain extent I suppose that like you do you do learn a certain pattern to a certain extent that's at least the extent of my knowledge but what one of the things that does strike me anyway is you mentioned that snoring is a sign of of bad sleep right like snoring's not good but what's the what's the like the grades of it and i ask because there are people out there magical people people that <laughs> probably aren't real right but these people can sleep in one position wake up in one position wake up and they're beaming straight away they bounce out of bed and they attack their day. And then there are people out there that, I don't know, like I, I tend to go to sleep in one position and I find that I wake up in a different position. Is that a sign that I've not had a good sleep because I've been slightly restless? I mean, what's the, what's the, the continuum almost of, say, like really good sleep and then like not so great sleep and then terrible sleep. Like where do, where do the certain right. habits that we have fit in? I can tell you very directly. Um, when I was younger, like a lot of people, you go to sleep, next thing you know, you're awake and yeah. it's day and you're like, ah, you feel great. <laughs> then again, it, it, when you start to have issues, you'll get up once during the night to pee or you'll notice that you get up and flip over and you'll flip over and you'll flip. So a good night uh, would be waking up maybe once in the night, you know, for a minute, either to pee or just flip over. That's like a great night. I, I almost never, sleep, you know, lay down the next thing I know it's day. But if I wake up maybe once just for a minute, it's a really good sleep. If um, I'm sick or if I have allergies, my nose is stuffed up or something else is going on, I don't feel well. And I wake up 5, 10, 15 times during the night, which happens sometimes. Then I feel like shit. Um, so I would grade it first as, uh, how many times you wake up during the night? Do you wake up for a minute and you're right back to sleep or do you wake up and you can't get back to sleep? Some people have that problem. Yeah. You, I mean, you'll know it's, it's not like you have to tell anybody, Oh, here's a scale, you know, uh, uh, you know, a John Smith, you know, Dr. John Smith scale of sleep. I mean, you'll know yeah. if you don't sleep well, you know it. Yeah. And if, if people think about it, they can characterize the times when they woke up and felt great. And they know the times where they just felt like garbage. Um, and usually, again, it's the number of times that they wake up during the night. Or it may be, the uh, again, the numbers of hours they sleep. So some nights, you know, you have to get up early and go do something. And you're only going to get six hours. 
And then you have that in your mind and you think, oh no. So then you, you wake up early before the alarm or you just don't sleep well the whole night and you just feel exhausted. So again, quality of sleep is kind of, uh, you can just tell. I mean, you can use certain things to measure it, such as the number of times you wake up, if that happens to you, um, where you could just go by feel. But as for, um, as for disruption, some pe- there's a whole group of people that wake up tired every day. They don't even know why it's happening to them. And chances are those people are either coming out of deep sleep into light sleep dozens and hundreds of times a night. There's, that can happen. Or they're waking up and they don't realize it. And that's, you know, again, they're, they're coming out of deep sleep or out of REM sleep dozens or hundreds of times a night. Uh, they're snoring and they don't know it. They have apnea. They don't know it. Uh, something's going on, but it's below the level of their perception. They just, that's why their sleep is a mess and they just feel tired every day. Uh, then there's the people that know it. They know, okay, yeah, I've got to get up twice at night to pee or you know, my mouth is always dry and I have to get up and drink water five times or, you know, again, I wake up during the night. I can't go back to sleep. There's people that know what's going on. Yeah. Um, beyond that stage. I mean, then there's, there's just the obvious that you just lay there and you literally can't sleep, but, but that's the stages of awareness that I've noticed. One of the things that, um, that strikes me anyway, cause this used to happen <clears throat> to me quite a bit still does sometimes, but I'm starting to see a bit of a pattern going on in that people wake up first and they feel amazing. But it could be say an hour before they've got to get up. So as they wake up and they go, oh, the alarm's not gone off yet, or I don't need to get up yet. And, they, and then they go back to sleep eventually and then wake up and they feel awful. So that, that's happened to me now. From what I know about sleep, it's because you hit a certain uh, quality of sleep. You mentioned REM sleep before, after a certain amount of time, and if you, that, that's why napping is, I think it's 15, 20 minutes, I think, if I remember rightly. You probably want to correct me on that. But if you sleep for longer than that, it can make you worse off if you try and then wake up, as far as I'm aware. So that used to happen to me. But now what I've started doing, personally, is it, even if I wake up before my alarm, I, I'll still get up. Because I wake up feeling good. Yeah, I'll be more tired in the evening, maybe a bit lethargic in the afternoon, but I'll probably sleep better the day after or the next night, provided I don't over-caffeinate myself to try and stay awake because I'll, I'll be more tired and then I'll probably counteract some of, some of that and end up sleeping better the next night. As long as I wake up feeling good every night, that, that seems to work versus me getting up and going oh it's too early and then i go back to sleep i wake up feeling awful if i wake up again is there something to that you have to plan your sleep you know if you know you need at least seven hours which that's really the standard for people is at least seven hours you know you, you have to make sure you're getting the chance to have seven hours so i would give yourself like seven and a half hours from the moment you lay down in the bed because it's rare that someone lays down, boom, they're asleep in two seconds, and then, you know, they don't wake up at all. Yeah. So, like for myself, I need usually about eight and a half hours. So if I lay down and I look on my clock and I have nine hours till I have to get up, then I, I mentally am like, great, I have a little bit of lag time, I'm gonna be fine. 
Um, when you talked about napping, I would say if you have to nap, that means that you didn't sleep properly. Otherwise, why would you have to nap? It doesn't make any sense. So um, there's a whole host of things that I'll go into here. So you need to be able to have what's called good sleep hygiene. So the room you're sleeping in, um, you need to have the comfortable bed. You need to have a pillow that keeps your head aligned, which we'll get into when you're ready. Um, you need to have the room cool enough to sleep. If you're sleeping in a hot room, you're not going to sleep well. It's ideal if the room is you know, 65 to 68 degrees if possible. Let's say that's not possible and it's usually 72, 73. Try to cool it down just another degree or two. Sleep without socks. You know, Sleep with a lighter blanket or a sheet instead of a heavy blanket. Do what you can to keep yourself cool. You know, uh, you can have a white noise fan. Have blackout curtains so when you're sleeping, light's not coming in and hitting your eyes and telling your body to wake up. Um, you know, don't have dogs barking, kids disturbing you. Make sure there's adequate time. Make sure all this. So if you do all this stuff, you know, you don't watch TV right before bed. You're not on the computer right before bed, you know, or your cell phone. Uh, all these things will help you sleep better. You got to be very protective of your sleep environment. It has to be a place that you really go all out to uh, ensure is, is good for you to protect your sleep. And it sounds like you have to go overboard to do it, but I mean, it's critical. If, it's, if it makes a difference between you sleeping well and not sleeping well, then you got to go all out and make sure that all these things are in place. So if you do it right, you shouldn't need a nap and you should wake up for the most part okay. Um, in regards to your question, specifically waking up and not being ready to wake up or feeling good. So a lot of that can be controlled by light. So there's lamps you can get where it acts as an alarm clock and a lamp. So 15, 20 minutes before you're supposed to wake up, the lamp turns on and slowly gets brighter. And that mimics sunrise. And that, that light is called a Zeitgeber. It's like a signal that tells your body, sleep's over, it's time to wake up. And those kinds of things can help you uh, sleep a lot better and wake up properly and not wake up dead, you know, or really tired. Is that a, like a, a vitamin D light that I've seen as well? Is, is there a certain light that that emits as well that mimics the sun or is it just like an LED thing that just happens to be too bright to stay asleep in? Well, a cheap version would probably be just, it starts to get bright, but the best, the best version would be, yeah, it mimics the, uh, the wavelengths of light that come with uh, waking up in the daytime. Okay, got it, yeah. No, I'm just just curious because uh, people that are listening might be making notes because I know I'm making notes. Um, you mentioned... Well, one well, one quick, quick trick. ...degrees as well. Is that, I'm, I'm guessing that, is that Celsius or Fahrenheit? Oh, sorry, I'm speaking Fahrenheit because I'm in the U.S. Yeah. yeah, yeah, sure. You can Probably. translate it to Celsius, but right, ideal is uh, 65 to 68 Fahrenheit. And that seems cold, but again, as listeners listen, think about times where you were like in a really cold room and you snuggled up below the blankets. You probably passed out and slept really well. And that's yeah. because the human body likes to sleep in that temperature range. So like, you know, in my house, um, we keep the AC at 72. And what I started doing is at night, I would turn it down to 70, just late at night. And it helps. It gets cold but it's just during the night. And then we, when we wake up, the AC goes higher, you know, but that extra degree or two really helps and you sleep better. I can't get it down to 65 because our, our air conditioner would probably explode and you know, our bill would be too high, but I can get it down more and I don't wear socks. You know, I just have my feet exposed and 
I changed to a lighter blanket and all those things help. It's degree by degree by degree and you can get there. Yeah, yeah. You wanted to mention something as well before we moved on? Oh, yeah. When you wake up, um, you meeting anyone listening, do you wake up with in the darkness or do you wake up with the light? Um, let's say you're going to sleep from midnight to 8 a.m., but the sun comes up where you live at 6.30. Well, that's going to influence you because the sun will come up um, at 6.30. It's going to tell your body to wake up, but you're not ready to wake up yet. You only slept, let's say, six and a half hours. So for those people, I would probably get blackout curtains so that for the full eight hours, you're in darkness. And then when you wake up, then open the curtains. You know, if you have to lay there, but the bright light now will signal you wake up at the proper time. So I've stayed in, you know, Airbnbs and hotels where the curtains were terrible. And like, you know, it's, I call it a vampire death chamber. You know, the first light, the, the sun's coming in. And if one, two, three, four hours of your sleep are, are in light, you know, you're not going to sleep well because your body's being told, wake up and you're trying to sleep. Yeah, it seems a little bit, uh, maybe too simplistic as well, but it also warms the room up as well, right? Because suns give off heat, yeah? So I imagine that also right. affects the temperature of the room. Right, yeah, it can. But uh, primarily what I've noticed is a lot of people, uh, they just don't have light control in their bedroom properly. You know, again, they'll have screens or they'll have uh, poor curtains. And it's not expensive to get either blackout curtains or if you want to be real bootleg, put up aluminum foil on the windows. And again, it sounds like you're, you're prepping for a, an army mission. You know, you have to do this, that, the other in your sleep chamber. But it really has to be a protected environment, again, to sleep well. And it's worth it. If it makes a difference between you sleeping well or not, it's worth it. Yeah, I mean, I like when you mentioned that you've got to protect your sleep as well, which I think is quite, you know, there's, there's a lot that we're going into this. I mean, a lot, a lot of the time it is, it is tailored, isn't it? It's not something we can just prescribe and, and that's enough. I mean, there are certain things. <clears throat> but you mentioned before about, was it um, the body alignment as well? I know I like to sleep on a certain side. Um, is that... Is that something that you looked into as well? Yeah, here, here's where we get to, you know, where the pillow came from. So snoring, apnea, not sleeping well. There's many ways to try to solve it. There's tons of advice out there. But one way that you can really address it is the mechanics of how you sleep. So, again, like I told you in the beginning, I had a problem snoring and I, I probably had apnea. It's probably pretty likely. I mean, the pillow, I think, is, uh, has dramatically improved it because of the, you know, how I feel with sleep. But I'm pretty sure I was very close to that point or at that point. So what I've learned and what I've observed is that uh, your throat is about the size of a garden hose. And here we go with metrics. So it's 1.6 to about 2 centimeters in diameter, which is less than an inch you know, for people in uh, you know, the English system. It's not a lot. So what happens when you kink a hose? When it's got water going through it, you know, the water shoots out. It's, it's pretty easy to kink a hose. It's not very wide. Yeah. So when you sleep, if your neck is in the wrong position, it's too high, it's too low, or, you know, again, the, the flesh in your throat um, starts getting compressed, the hose will kink and your breathing will become more ragged. And that's what leads to snoring and eventually to apnea. So it's, you know, if you imagine less than an inch, 
if the hose gets pinched in a quarter inch on one side and a quarter inch on the other side, that's not a lot. That's pretty easy to do. And now that hose is half the size it was. Now you have to breathe harder <gasps> to get that air, you know, yeah. if it gets pinched even more. And so that very easily can happen. Again, if your pillow is too high, your head is inclined, that pinches your airway. If your head, if your pillow is too low, again, pinches the airway. If you're sleeping on your side and your shoulder rolls forward, it can easily, you know, compress your throat and again, pinch your airway. So I've seen it's super important to keep your head and neck aligned when you sleep. And I figured you do that with a pillow that is customized to you. So, you know, we, a lot of people wear glasses that are prescription glasses. They don't just get like someone else's glasses and put them on. It wouldn't work. No. Why don't you have a prescription pillow that is measured exactly to the width of, you know, if you look at someone, you look at the side of their neck and the distance from the side of their neck to their shoulder, everyone's distance is different. I found by measuring, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people, it goes from about four to nine inches. So if I'm seven inches and you're five inches and I give you a pillow and I give me the same pillow, what's going to happen? You, your head may be aligned. Mine will fall down and it'll mess up my sleep and cause me to snore and make, you know, and I, I won't be comfortable either. I won't be able to sleep. So what I've done is we've created an app and I filed patents on this and everything. Um, You'll take pictures, you'll have pictures taken of yourself, one facing the camera and one profile picture. And the camera uses machine vision, AI, and it measures these distances. It's not so simple to just eyeball it from the picture, but it does it. And then my tailors make a custom thickness pillow. So if you're a side sleeper and your neck to shoulder is five and a quarter inches with some tweaks, that's what they make you. So what's happened is when... When you get this pillow and you lay on it, people usually go, ah, that's pretty comfortable. <laughs> and when they sleep, the cool thing is I'm hearing people are waking up less. Uh, people are snoring less. Their spouses are telling them and consequently us, you know, Joe is, is barely snoring. I barely can hear him anymore. I'm, I'm back in the bed with them. This is great. You know, the people are saying they feel better. Um, we had even a couple strange things that one guy said he had arthritis and that's improved. I don't exactly know how, but he feels like yeah. he credits that. But yeah, the pillow is really working. So it makes me excited. And, and for myself, especially, it's helped me. I mean, I, I have it and I travel with it. And you know, I won't go anywhere without it because it, uh, it's just been a great, uh, great thing that's helped my life. So there's my, my speech about it. One of the things that um, did really pique my interest as well is how, I guess, how deep you've gone into this as well. Like it's something that you've clearly done your research on. You've clearly gone into it and gone, well, I'm not just going to buy five or 10 different pillows. I would rather research like what, what makes the, the perfect pillow, so to speak, what makes the pillow that's best for me. And we've gone into what about sleep. And one of the things that I would like to touch on <clears throat> more for just, knowledge and reference purposes for, for people really are the different types of sleep because we mentioned REM sleep and light sleep and things of that nature but I think it's worth just running through as a bit of a, a speed course if you will for people that haven't got a clue what are the different phases of sleep and I guess how can all this actually improve that because some people will be listening going oh it's all well and good knowing the cycles but 
how can like sleep position help that how can breathing help that how can the temperature help that let's sort of break it down a little bit in terms of what the sleep is for us Richard but also how can these things be influenced by what we've already spoke about well your body wants to take you through deep sleep and it wants to take you through at least several stages of REM or dreaming sleep so if you interrupt that you're not going to get through those necessary stages in order for your brain to be cleared out for the next day and for you to sleep properly. So that's just the real basic answer. So again, that's your body's goal in order for proper health. It's got to get you some deep sleep, a certain amount, and it's got to get you at least several cycles of REM sleep. So again, if you prevent it from doing that because you don't give it enough time or because you snore and you keep pulling it out of its, you know, out of its, out of its uh, level of sleep, or any other reason, uh, you're hurting your sleep. That's, that's really the whole thing here. So everything you can do to enable yourself to get through those cycles without being disturbed is what you need to do. It's like being a conductor of a symphony orchestra. Imagine the conductor's there and all the players are there, and then every time they try to get to the refrain of the song, someone interrupts. You know, what would happen? You know, hold on, wait a minute. Uh, start again. What the, you know, that's literally what's happened. So... You know, that's why the pillow is, is not the only solution, but it's a very, it, it helps. You know, it's far better than sleeping pills, which do not help you sleep. They just make you unconscious. And they literally, science has shown that it compromises you getting into deep sleep and REM sleep. It just, it alters you. You know, people take melatonin to try to sleep. Again, there's the science is back and forth on that. Does it help? Does it not? Mm, I don't know. So people take all kinds of pills. Some try alcohol, which is very disruptive to sleep. Um, I mean, people try all kinds of things. So if you can have a mechanical solution that doesn't require surgery or a CPAP mask, you know, to keep you from apnea or, uh, you know, a, a new $4,000 bed or sleeping pills or whatever it is and you sleep better, I mean, that's a pretty good solution to me. So again, it's not going to, it's not going to fix everybody, but so far it's a pretty big segment that is benefiting from it. So that's how I look at it. And, you know, let's say you have a sleep problem and it's, yeah, it's so big, right? Um, if this solves 30% of it, well, this solves 30% of it. If you sleep 30% better, great. I may not be able to get you a hundred percent better, but if I can get you 30% better, you'll feel a lot better. You know, it's like you saying to yourself, Oh, I wish I could sleep just 15 more minutes or 30 more minutes, or I wish I just wouldn't wake up so much. If I can get you from waking up five times a night to two times a night, that's a huge win. Definitely. So that's how I look at it. Yeah. Can, can the actual sleep position and all that sort of stuff, can that, can that benefit someone in that way in terms of the quality of sleep or the time spent in the different cycles? Well, there's really three positions. There's on your stomach, which is I've never heard recommended by anybody, and it's usually rare. Um, you're laying on one side of your neck uh, the entire night, so that can lead to you know all kinds of issues, um, and that's that's rare for people to be good at is sleeping on your stomach. Uh, if you do, the recommendation from what I've heard is don't even use a pillow at all. So if you can sleep on your stomach, great. What happens to most people that I've observed is they sleep on their backs when they're younger. And then as they age and they start snoring and everything, that's not a good position for you. It, it leads to snoring very quickly and it leads to apnea very quickly. 
So a lot of people will then start sleeping on their sides because they, they sleep better and that stops their snoring and their, their problems. But then as it continues, uh, sleeping on their side gets worse and worse and worse. And now they have to go left side, right side, left side, right side. Now they start waking up a bunch of times in the night and now the snoring has gotten so bad or the apnea has gotten so bad that even that position is no good. So then nothing's happy for them. So that's usually what happens. Like of, of our customers, I would say 85% of them are side sleepers and they wouldn't be our customers unless they had problems. So that's, that's where I see all this going. That's, that's usually what happens to people. So we make a custom side sleeper and we make a custom back sleeper. We do have some back sleeper people, but again, any position you lay in, you want your head aligned. The reason why a lot of people wake up with neck pain or shoulder pain is imagine, I just want you to imagine if you're a listener, turn your head to the left and sit like that for eight hours. What do you think is going to happen to you? Or tilt your head in, a, in whatever position you want and hold it there for eight hours and put weight on it. That's what you're doing when you sleep. So if you sleep aligned for eight hours, great. If you sleep crooked or your head's not in the right position, you're putting pressure on yourself for eight hours like that. What do you think is going to happen? It's going to distort you and distort you and distort you and distort you. And then you're going to wake up with neck pain, back pain, shoulder pain, or you're just not going to be comfortable enough to sleep. You're going to keep punching the pillow, doubling it up, flipping over, you know, this will hurt. That'll hurt. You'll, it'll lead you to waking up more times and not sleeping. So that's what I talk about the mechanics of sleep. That's why this helps so much. So are you sort of saying then that through this, we can, <clears throat> eventually sleep on our backs then like is that where that where we're heading so we're all more aligned and all that sort of thing that we won't need to sleep on our sides and on our fronts and that and that sort of thing is that where we're going no i mean if you're there's nothing wrong with sleeping on your side i mean that's my position that's preferred in a lot of other people so if i can sleep better on my side and again go from waking up five times a night to one yeah. and i feel good when i wake up that's all I care about. I'm fine. If I'm a back sleeper and again, I have the same problem and I get the same benefit, then I'm all good. Or if I'm, let's say I'm a back sleeper and I, I only sleep well when I sleep on my side, but it hurts me. But now with the pillow, I'm able to sleep on my side and get the sleep I want. Well, again, that's another solution. So I'm not trying to push someone into back or side. You do what works for you. I just want to give you the option that you can do either and be comfortable and sleep well. Yeah, I mean, it, it was just the, the thought then of, like, we seem to have gone from sleeping on our backs to the other thing you mentioned, things like snoring being easier and all that sort of thing. So I feel like it's, it's just trying to make how we like to sleep a little bit more effective. At least that's the angle that we seem to be taking. So, yeah, I mean, in terms of the benefits of it and everything else, that's what we covered at the beginning, but just as a bit of a, a round off, like help, help us out a little bit in terms of what benefits we could hope to have from sleeping. I think we went down the road of like the problems with lack of sleep or not, uh, not a good enough sleep, but I thought we'd end with the benefits of a very, very good night's sleep. Like, run through what we'd hope to, to achieve with this. Yeah, these will be obvious to you. You'll, the goal is for you to wake up and wake up easier, not wake up like, oh, God, and lay in bed for a half hour and hit the, the snooze 20 times. That's the one goal. And then when you're awake, to not be exhausted during the day or be sleepy. So maybe you could reduce caffeine consumption. Who knows? 
you'll be able to think clearly. You'll have more energy. You know, you won't feel lethargic. Um, you won't fear sleep because you'll have had a good sleep. Uh, you'll be able to have a better life. Literally, that's how I'd put it. Is you, everyone that listens knows. Everyone that listens at least a few times in their life has had a really good sleep. So the goal is to recapture that feeling and get you as close to that every night of the week if possible. And if you have problems, to reduce those problems or hopefully eliminate them. That's the whole goal of this, this pillow. All right, Richard. Um, where can people find out more about you if they, if they want to? So this is your chance to share maybe how they can get hold of the pillow, find out more about you online maybe. Where, where can people go? Yeah, the best way is to go to the website. It's called goodnightssleepproject.com. Nights is plural. So goodnightssleepproject.com. All right, Richard. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate you taking the time, and I'm sure we'll keep in touch. All right, Mike. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it.